Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, personal development educator and NLP trainer here, and welcome to episode 160 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast intended to offer tips, tools, strategies, and insights into helping us have the best quality lives and relationships that we can. So welcome to today's episode. Episode 160 is entitled Right for the Argument and Wrong for the Relationship. Um, if you've ever had the experience of um, being in conflict or negotiation or a sales dynamic um, or some kind of disagreement with somebody and their logic has been rock solid um, and yet you cannot help but feel angry, resentful, compromised, unheard, unvalidated, And in some way, shape or form, if you're left with those dynamics, whatever you've come up with or feel like you've reluctantly conceded to in the dynamic, you're going to find ways to consciously or unconsciously sabotage the progress of that agreement down the track, or you simply find ways to no longer um, deal with that individual. And this can be very devastating if we're talking about relationships that um, endure over time, whether that's personal relationships or professional uh, relationships that mean from time to time conflicts going to be inevitable um, and depending on how we approach those conflicts if we're just focused on being right and um, coercing or forcing or changing someone else's mind to our opinion in the moment um, then this can damage the relationship long term rather than having Um, a kind of a two-strand approach at minimum around, um, yes, we've got this present challenge in front of us that we're working through, but how do we do that in a way that's relationship-supporting? How do I be the kind of person who can disagree with somebody else and they're willing to enter into some dynamic or relating dynamic that carries friction or or tension or requires, you know, a solution later down the track. We want to be the type of person, ideally, who people would fight with on a repeated basis. Um, Because at very least, regardless of the solution, we are left feeling in the dynamic that we were respected, that we were treated fairly, um, that we were heard, um, and we were considered in, in the solution in an adequate manner. And I think that what part of this requires is that, um, like I said, we're always thinking about um, the status and the health of the relationship going forward um, uh, and, and again, also being very, very mindful that any time that the stakes rise or the perception of the stakes rise is probably even more accurate um, in people's minds, the more likely we are to be um, triggered into um, uh, uh, emotions, triggered into fight-flight responses, um, you know, protective defense dynamics um, where 
you know, whatever our unconscious rule structures are uh, about people, all of these things can get into in the way of, of um, working towards a solution that um, works and is sustained and actively backed up by both parties over time. Um, so the more the perception of, of, of um, the costs and, and I guess advantages of, of a situation, the more you need to consider that that we're playing less with rational elements of the mind and more likely with the irrational, emotive, biological elements of a human being's mind. And I, and I think that that's one thing that we're seeing emerging in the understanding of, of human behavior and negotiation dynamics, this idea that we are not, we are not as rational as we believe ourselves to be as human beings, and that can be sometimes a bit challenging to wear. Um, and that, the more our fight flight centers of the brain are triggered, the more likely we are to um, be driven uh, in dynamics by a more, sometimes elements of us that we aren't even consciously aware of. You know, I'm having a strong reaction to this experience, but that may also be because of um, at an unconscious level, I perceive other dynamics previously to be very, very similar. So I'm, I'm, I've got the moments that are being triggered now in the present dynamic, but they're also loaded with other situations that were like this. So, for example, if we're talking about fighting with a partner, um, but we're loaded on the back of challenging dynamics from the previous relationship. So whatever I didn't resolve from my previous relationship, now this dynamic looks like that, so I'm going to bring in the emotions that were associated with that. Um, um, does that service? Is it effective? No, but it 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 can be um, an element that we need to confront. So that if we've got these things in mind, if we're talking about people that we have to confront and have challenging dynamics with from time to time, and there's nothing that's not necessarily an unhealthy arrangement. Healthy families and healthy business systems from time to time are going to disagree and the disagreement element is not the problem it's the way we disagree it's it's you know and are we in our disagreement and even in our most um poignant of moments when we're trying to get our point across are we still doing so in a way that's respectful and supportive of the relationship and mindful that the person across from us is not the problem the problem is the problem um even the person's emotions and perception of the problem is not the problem you know and that what we're doing here is we're not seeking to crush another person with the intellectual rock solidness of our um, uh, our argument. You know, I will logic you into the ground. Um, well, if you do that, please understand that that's not very logical um, around long-term relational dynamics. And it's sometimes something that people that are very sharp and very fast and very articulate have to be mindful that whilst you can linguistically eviscerate somebody else, um, if you want people to deal with you over time, that's not a very logical way to do it. Um, again, you know, so I've got both the immediate situation, I've got, I'm carrying kind of multiple time frames 
in the interaction, I'm also doing everything I can to make sure that I, I'm understanding that I am bringing my emotive self to this too, that I am bringing my irrational self more likely. The more I perceive the stakes to be higher, the more likely I am to be bringing the, the irrational aspects of myself forward. Um, and that my perceptions are not your perceptions. Um, and that the way that you put together your own brand of logic is going to be different to the way I put forward my own brand of logic. Um, and that the way, one of the ways in which we preserve the relationship is, is that we view these moments of tension or conflict or difference in whatever way we perceive it as moments that we go into a place more of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bend you to my will through the force of my argument rather than, and I'm just going to talk over you rather than paradoxically, it's often the person who's listening. Who's the one who holds more power because how, how do I get information that helps me understand your perspective? Because unless I can, and the more I understand about you, the more likely I am to craft a solution that is going to meet your needs and requirements. And the problem is often in highly emotive dynamics is we're not even aware necessarily. We have very strong feelings, but we're not, we, we may not even be able to articulate what our source of distress is. Um, that doesn't make it any less invasive for those of us that are very, you know, have kind of, you know, very strong, very associated um reactions, but if they're not managed, if they're not understood, if we don't feel that they're validated, um, then I might be looking to undermine whatever we agree to later because I feel I was kind of forced into it. Um, it's kind of like if you had the experience with telemarketers and things like that, people who ring you up and try to co coerce you into saying yes, the idea that you say enough yeses, then eventually they'll hit you with the offer and you'll feel compelled to, to agree. But, but even if they put forward something that you know at the logical level you agree with, um, hey, Sean, um, do you love making money? Now, okay, um, you, I'm, that's a forced yes. Um, I'm going to feel coerced into that. And, and, and uh, that means more than likely... I'm, I'm going to try to find a way to wiggle out later. If from a politeness perspective, I, I you know, and that I use yes as a, or what um, the FBI, I believe, call counterfeit yeses, I, I will agree out of politeness to get you off my back. Um, but that does not mean in any way, shape or form I've bought in or I'm not looking for a way to exit down the track later. Um, so forced, forced agreement just, it doesn't work in the long term. Um, so we need to be able to kind of go, how, how do, in the course of disagreements, I convey to you, I have a, a positive regard for you. I have a willingness to understand your position. I have a willingness to collaborate with you. Um, I, I want to treat you with a sense of respect and fairness, and, and in particular, those are perceptions. And what's your perception of those things so that I might deliver in the way that you consider to be important, because paradoxically, um, I have my way of being sold to, I have my way of being convinced, but that's not going to be your way. I have my way of constructing what this experience as a human being means, um, and you have yours. But um, I, the, I can only, the more I understand yours, the more chance I have of coming up with something 
that will get us to a a, um, a resolution that we're both equally bought in on and equally willing to commit to um, seeing that through. Um, and I like, you, you know, so again, what we're, what's interesting when we're sort of looking at what's emerging in the idea of sort of fight and conflict dynamics is this idea of healthy fight form um, and how much we must soothe the animalistic, irrational, emotive part of ourselves and those that we're um, in temporary disagreement with before we can even get to or as we are working towards solutions because if we don't deal with that side then the chances of any sort of long-term sustained yes there we go sustained success is greatly minimized so how am i going to um how am i going to convey to you that you you matter um I think one book that I would certainly mention that I, I think is exceptional in these kinds of regards is a book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Boss and Tal Raj, Raz, I think it is. Um, uh, Chris Boss was a, a former FBI um, hostage negotiator. Um, exceptional book around these kinds of, um, you know, when we're, when we're, how do we convey that sense that I can be trusted, that I can be respected, that I regard you, even in these moments where we, we, we're, we're taking up opposing points of view? Um, because we're way more likely to compromise with people that we think regard us and, and are like us and very, very reluctant to compromise with people who we don't think regard us, respect us, want to treat us fairly or are anything like us. You know, um, So this is an important thing to put your attention on. Um, one of the tools here, if we're talking about, well, how specifically do we do that? Um, one element, it, well, two that are probably worth mentioning, and again, they, they come from the uh, Never Split the Difference book. One is what, we, what the FBI refer to as tactical empathy. It's separating the idea of empathy from sympathy and compassion, and rather looking at empathy as a way of, you know, I don't necessarily hold the same view or feelings about the world or this experience that you do, but I'm working towards understanding your point and your feelings in this situation. So, it's, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about, is getting to a place where I understand where you're coming from as best as I possibly can. Um, and that has nothing to do with whether or not I agree. Um, but if you feel understood, you're going to, you know, that is already going to relax any sense of kind of defensiveness. Um, for some of it's it's all we want is just to feel validated and understood. Makes it goes a long, long way towards, you know, goodwill and getting something done over time and building trust. And the other thing is, you know, that we are actively listening. When people can see that we are really intent, um, the paradox is um, that if you ever had the experience of maybe telling a story at a party or something like that, and you can see that people are really listening to you and hanging on your every word, then it makes you even more mindful of doing a good job at conveying your message. So by demonstrating to people that we are really listening to them and showing active, engaged curiosity in what they have to say, people are far more likely to almost kind of listen to the way that they are speaking because, oh, 
how often do I really get that someone is actually fully attuned to me? Um, well, that the paradox is that I start to self-correct, I start to self-listen, um, instead of spewing out maybe some emotive mantra um, that I'm not really thinking. You know, I'm I'm dogmatic, and I'm you know, but but all of that intensity can suddenly drop, and I suddenly become more considered around what I'm saying when I notice that somebody is listening to me. That's an interesting kind of paradox. So often it's really understanding how underestimated listening attentively is as a as a skill. Um, and so even if you just practice that process of kind of really actively listening and and being in a space where you're not waiting to speak, but you're doing everything you can to discover more about somebody else's experience and perceptions of, of, of the world. Um, it's amazing how far we can get just with that. Um, and of course there would be a, there's a lot more to say on, on these sorts of things, but I, I certainly thought that I would just do a little bit of an episode on how important it is when we do get into moments of challenge that we are considering not only the present term consequences, but the longer term consequences of relational health. Um, and listening intent, intently rather than trying to snow someone with a stream of verbal logic um, may be one very helpful tool for helping you to really convey to another person that you value them, um, both in the calm times and in the not so calm times, um, and that you are the kind of person who someone would happily argue with. <laughs> so there you go. There's episode 160. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, as always, if you've listened to a number of episodes or for a long period of time, my profoundest gratitude. Thank you and really hope that you're enjoying uh, the series. I'm enjoying, um, you know, coming up with different things each week and talking to people about what, uh, what might be nice little um, snippets of, of human dynamics that might be uh, worth discussing. So thank you um, on both fronts, if you are somebody listening and, and also to those of you who've, who've um, contributed. Um, and again, if you've just joined us and this is your first episode, welcome. Thank you for listening. Really grateful. Um, I'd like it if you want to continue to support the show, please go to iTunes, download, subscribe and leave a five-star review as it makes it easier for others to find the program. Um, and additionally, the program is available at the website, emergencetraining.com.au and also Stitcher, Podbean, and other podcast mediums. Um, so thank you. Once again, um, hope the episode gives you another tool, uh, another um, uh, some more pieces of insight into uh, that you can use to, um, you know, that you can use effectively to get more of what you want in your life, really, um, is, is uh, what I would want to say on that one. Um, and apart from that, um, as always, thank you for listening. Really wish you every joy and success in your life. And until we're with each other on another episode, bye for now.